This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. We have Dina Bari. Dina is StockX's pioneering CMO with an unparalleled track record from Reebok to Birchbox, Swarthmore alum, Harvard MBA, and a force in both the boardroom and home kitchen. (laughs) Dina, welcome to Marketing Trends. Thank you for having me. So nice to be here. You're a baller cook at home, which is noted on your profile. You're also a beast CMO. I love that you're juggling those two things. Um, and it also says a lot about you as a marketing leader, like making sure that you know the cuisine is on point. Where did the cooking love, where is that little, when you were little, when did that spark light for Dina? Yes, that's a big part of my identity. So I'm Middle Eastern, I'm Lebanese and Syrian. And in Arab culture, food is how you show love. Uh, and, and so I grew up, uh, with the dinner table being just like a central figure in my family life. You know, every time we got together with extended family, anytime we were, uh, celebrating a moment big or small, there was always a large meal involved. Uh, and it was, you know, one of the ways that my matriarchs showed that, um, they loved and cared for us. And so it's something that I've brought forward into my own life. Now, how do you do that? and CMO. How do you CMO all day and cook? Well, you know, the, the juggle is real, as I like to say. Um, and, <laughs> you know, people talk a lot about balance. I think it's more of um, a seesaw. You know, there are times when okay. you're giving every ounce you have um, to work. And there are times when you're giving every ounce you have to your family. And inevitably, one side, you know, has to ebb and flow with the other so um, there are many nights when my kids are, I'm just like, fend for yourselves, uh, you know, forage <laughs> in the fridge. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. And then there are nights when I can get it together and actually prepare. So it's not every night that we have a, you know, a fine meal. Parent plus CMO. That's just, it's, it's, it's a real game. The juggle game is real. Mm-hmm. I, I totally feel that. We have four, we have four little ones at home. Oh, wow. Uh, two three-year-olds and two five-year-olds. Oh my goodness. So it's like. I can't, I'm looking forward to the fend for yourself. I just can't wait to say that to them, like where they can just cook their own stuff. But we, it's a full on, you know, soiree every time we're cooking at our house. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, you've got, you've got some, some little ways to go until yeah. they can fend for themselves. So, you know, we're enjoying the moments and we look forward yes. to the future for sure. Yes. Um, That's a good attitude. <laughs> so you're sitting in a really cool seat as the marketing leader for StockX, were you like the, essentially like the first marketing hire? Not, no, definitely not the first marketing hire. There was an incredible marketing team in place before I came, but I was the first chief marketing officer. Marketing leader. Okay. So for the folks who don't know about StockX, like tell, tell them about StockX. What is StockX? Give us the one, two, three on that. Absolutely. So StockX is the leading global platform for trading the things you love. So trading means buying and selling. Uh, The things you love means items of current culture, items that uh, express sort of what's happening right now, what you as a consumer uh, may care about right now. So you might think of um, cool New Balance sneakers. You might think of a PS5. You might think of the latest um, apparel or accessory item that you've been coveting. Uh, And we do that all over the world in almost 200 countries, uh, serving our buyers and sellers. 
So it's an online marketplace and and a clothing reseller, right? There's all kinds of stuff, primarily sneakers, but there's a lot of things in this. I mean, smartphones and all kinds of products and the SKUs probably continue to expand. But what makes StockX so different than the other online marketplaces? I mean, they're they're there's a lot of momentum behind this brand. If anyone does a little research, you'll see they're they're not stopping. But what's the what's the what's the secret sauce? Why? So there are so many things that make us unique. One is that global aspect, right? We truly have supply and demand interacting across borders. Uh, you know, you might have a buyer in Japan interacting with a seller in Copenhagen. Um, and that access, that global access to these items of current culture is one of the things that really makes us unique. Another uh, is the fact that the transactions are fully anonymous. So you're not, if you think about other marketplaces where you may be doing business, you know, you're often dealing with the seller, um, trying to figure out is this person, you know, going to deliver on what I hope they're going to deliver on? Do they have a good track history? We take all of that guesswork out of the equation by standing in the middle of the transaction and verifying the item. So um, as, a, as a person on either side, you really don't have to worry about um, the integrity of the transaction. We do that worrying for you and we take care of it. The other thing is just the long and ever-growing uh, list of items that we do sell. So this is a catalog that is alive. It is living and breathing. It's changing every single day. It's reflecting what our consumers are passionate about, what our sellers are excited about trading and making money on, what our buyers absolutely need to have their hands on. And like you mentioned, it spans categories. It's sneakers, it's apparel, it's women's designer accessories, it's uh, electronics, trading cards. So it really is this large and ever-growing universe of items that reflect the things our customers care about. So was the brand already expanding into international markets when you got there or were you a part of that process? Yeah, I'm both. Uh, so we yeah. were already expanding outside of the US okay. into Europe when I arrived uh, in 2019. And since then, that that growth has only continued. So we sort of uh, expanded our footprint in Europe, adding um, authentication centers, adding other team members, and certainly just um, increasing our marketing efforts so that we have we're able to reach more customers. Um, and then beyond Europe, we've expanded into Asia, into um, Canada, into Mexico, and each of those re regions presents a huge opportunity for us. Do you look at the international opportunity as like, okay, let's localize in these regions and let's let's kick up marketing teams that are there on the ground that know, you know, or, or do you kind of centralize things and reach out that way? How do you like to structure that kind of international scale and scope? We like to do both, actually. We look okay. at global plus local. That's what I think is is how you unlock the power. Um, so globally, you know, we have larger teams. We have more deep subject matter expertise. And so we have the global team members deploying their skills and expertise, not just here in the U.S., but abroad, everywhere we need to be relevant. Uh, at the same time, when you're here in the U.S., you can't know all the ins and outs of a given market. You don't necessarily have the best insight into who are the most influential people to partner with, what are the brands that are up and coming, what are local sellers excited about. And so we then have small but mighty teams on the ground in our key markets that are bringing that local intel and knowledge. And then they work very closely with those global teams so that we have sort of the muscle from global and then that deep insight and sort of customer uh, understanding from the local teams. Do you ever look at the business intelligence in um, in another market like overseas and look at maybe there's this 
maybe there's a trend that's being influenced by something in that region and are you you know extracting that and testing things or like how deep into into those kind of local movements are you because you've got so much great data i can imagine so much great data so many great local sort of micro tribes micro influencers storytelling opportunities and we're always trying to do more of that of what you just described which is unlock that local insider opportunity and then uh, not only have it sort of um, capture the local customer, but potentially explode onto a bigger landscape with the global. So, for example, we just did a partnership with a UK brand called Represent. It's an apparel and sneaker brand, very culturally connected. And um, they have their own retail and e-commerce, but they launched an exclusive capsule collection with StockX. And that was available globally because we did want to test and see, you know, with such a strong UK brand that is right in the epicenter of everything that's happening, can we export some of that? And can we, um, you know, turn some global customers on to the excitement? So um, that's an example of things that we're trying where we take local brands and do exclusive partnerships and try to amplify that globally. And then also we do the inverse. For example, we had um, a big company moment around Paris Fashion Week, Men's Fashion Week um, in June. So this is a global event. It happens to happen in one of our key markets, which is France. And so we said, how do we put the, again, the global muscle from the marketing team behind activating for Men's Fashion Week and then make it extra relevant and extra powerful in France? So um, we brought the global activation team, but we hired a few local Parisian influencers to provide sort of on the ground coverage and content creation. And we created this really nice blend of high impact, but local impact. And what we saw in France specifically was a huge increase in traffic, not from day one and day two, but when the local influencer published his content. So that's another good example of sort of looking to find thread the needle between global and local. I love that. So is the, are the, are the local influencer kind of portion of this is that how is that one way that you can stay agile and kind of adapt to these campaigns so they're so they're aligning with cultural shifts in these different markets like do you rely on those influencers locally to say hey here's what's popping locally you should know about this how does that roll out yes we we i think first rely on our local team members because they are so tapped in and that's not only say our local um, account managers who work with sellers or our local marketing folks but also our authenticators uh, these are the people who are, you know, actually checking every item that comes through an authentic- authentication center, and they are incredibly tapped into the culture and often a great source of ideas for us. Um, so that's where it starts, team members, and then beyond that, um, we have our customers, right? Our buyers and sellers. Again, we, we're huge on insights and listening and talking to our customers. So they often will tip us off to things that we should be engaged in, and then going beyond that, uh, our network of influencers, freelance creatives, and editorial folks. So we sort of have this web of people on the ground that we, we tap into. So sneakerheads and streetwear enthusiasts are without a doubt, a very highly engaged community. When it comes to fostering a sense of belonging and emotional connection with StockX customers, how are you doing this at a high level? And then how has this approach led to more customer loyalty and repeat business? Yes, our audience is very passionate. And that's one of the things we love. It makes it so fun to work with this space because people are not mild or neutral about the, the items in our catalog, right? They are excited. Well said, yes. Um, 
in love, passionate, sometimes angry, you know, there's so much emotion around it and it makes it really exciting. So um, we actually devise our marketing strategies around something we call the passion points. Speaking Mm. of passion, uh, because we know that what a lot of what drives the connection for the consumer is, um, you know, their love for sort of the the space surrounding these items and the space where these items have significance. So, for example, sport, music, art, design, um, these are often sort of the genesis of the creative spirit behind these products. And so when we try to connect with the customer, we're going in through these inroads, right? So obviously basketball is a sport that makes a lot of sense for our customer and for the products that we sell, but it's also skate. It's also golf, you know, music, obviously so many musicians are also creative influences in this product space. So from there we say, well, where do we need to show up uh, in line with these passion points so that we are talking to the customer about the things they love Um, at the moments where they're really paying attention. So Fashion Week, which we already spoke about, is one example of that. Other sporting events, like um, we've done golf invitationals or made appearances at different skate invitationals, which are great times to, you know, not only interact with the customer on the ground, but create co-create content and do storytelling with influencers in those passion point areas. And that's a big part of how we think about connecting and engaging In real life, IRL connecting has been a big part of our strategy this year, you know, coming off the pandemic when obviously very few people were engaging and activating in real life. We just felt coming into 2023 that it was high time to get back to that. And agreed. um, And it's been awesome. We've shown up not only at a few marquee moments like All-Star Weekend for the NBA and Paris Fashion Week. Yes, it was awesome to interact with people there. But we've also done smaller activations uh, like sneaker shows, right? These are really um, kind of smaller drumbeat moments. We've done a number both in the U.S. and in Europe where we show up with uh, a booth. You know, we show up with authenticators. We're doing raffles. We're doing, um, you know, different guessing games around product to help customers show their product expertise. And it's a really, usually the people who show up at these events are very loyal, very, you know, diehard sneakerhead enthusiasts. And it's a way to go back to our core audience, the people who were there at the beginning with StockX um, and who still want to interact with us at that level. So that's been a really fun part of uh, engaging and connecting this year. When can we do something in Austin, Texas? Oh, we love Austin. Let's go. Uh, we, we'll put that on our we'll put that on our list. Maybe say November, December, when it starts to get really cold here in Detroit, we should <laughs> make that happen. Yeah. And it's a, that's a great time to be here because that's when it starts to drop. We're in like the hundred plus. Mm. It's really not fun now. But November, December, that sounds amazing. Um, you said uh, passion points, which I love. I want to double click on that because that's you said that's like the intersection of where you go into, you know, to roll out things or test things. And I think that's so awesome. It's obvious that you care a lot about the customer and the and the customer experience. And so anytime a customer is engaging with StockX, it seems like you and the team are really taking note of every time someone can interact with the brand online or offline. And so you just, there's a care about the customer. And I also think about like demographics and I think about you have such a, probably a wide audience of folks who are buying and shopping and reselling on your platform. But how do you look at demographics and like 
media consumption habits? How is it changing now? Are you kind of looking at all the demographics and noticing, okay, well, Gen Z is doing this or millennials are doing this and X is doing this. Like, how do you look at demographics and media consumption habits and then make a decision based on, okay, the world is changing? Because I also think that you, Dina, have your hand on the pulse of culture in a lot of ways, right? At a, gl- at a global level, not many people have that kind of perspective, but in the, in the, in the way that you're serving people, you can see so much and the world's changing so much too. So what are you seeing as you look at demographics and look at media consumption habits? Yeah, this is a great question. I think this is one of the more challenging aspects of this job today, which is, you know, there are very few brands and we're one of them as well, um, who is only serving one demographic, right? The truth is you need to serve many different demographics, especially if you're on a growth trajectory. And often the psychographic parameters of a customer are more important. They're what actually drive behavior and drive engagement, right? So it's, you have to figure out how to choose carefully demographically because you do need to use that data to map to, okay, where is this user consuming media and likely to uh, see my brand? And then you have to really pay attention to the the psychographic, which hopefully will provide that through, through line across different demographic segments um, and figure out how to connect the two. So that's what we do, right? I think you're right. Anyone could be anyone could be a customer and a consumer on StockX, but we can't target absolutely everyone. And so we are very thoughtful mm-hmm. about a few select profiles that we think um, are the biggest opportunity for us. Of course, the, the core sneakerhead um, is one and will always remain a critical one. And then from there, we've identified a few sort of next customer audiences, um, including women. That's um, an audience that we're really excited about capturing um, and have had some nice wins there. Um, and then, you know, as current culture becomes more mainstream, influential, and and I won't call it mainstream culture, but it's definitely permeating and and showing up in more places. I think that also means that uh, we have to look at a, a more mainstream um, audience segment. Mm. So we're always looking at the demographic data to help understand those few opportunities, right? Where do you go to reach someone? But then we're looking at the shared psychographic elements. And in this case, that shared psychographic is the desire to, again, express your passion points um, through these items of current culture and the desire to sort of stay on the, on the front edge of that current of culture. And, um, you know, luckily social has kept things interesting for us in terms of media formats, right? Like where, where can we reach that person who's trying to stay out front? Um, you know, video is a format that's been incredibly powerful for storytelling and sort of capturing the attention of this consumer. Um, and, and we've had a lot of luck pushing into not just what I'll call the incumbent social channels, um, and experimenting in those incumbent channels, but also adapting and testing into the new social channels. Um, you know, over the past couple of years here, we've had so many new emergent, emerging platforms from Discord um, to Threads, obviously, most recently. And so we're always looking at how do we stay relevant in these new frontiers as well. What are your thoughts on Threads? So... I would say, just speaking very honestly, I'm not sure anyone has figured out how to use threads yet. And I see a lot of brands experimenting. So some brands are just using it sort of um, the way they use Twitter, right? Just It's almost like a copy paste. Um, we are trying a lot of different things because I think it's still 
growing growing up, figuring out what it's going to be. I think customers are still figuring out how significant Threads is going to be in their life. We try to have fun. I think more fun on Threads than we've had on a lot of other channels where we're, you know, just it's almost there's banter, a lot of interaction with other brands and sort of replying to what other brands are saying. But I would say we are definitely in the um, test and learn phase and trying to figure out who how we're going to show up there. Yeah, it's interesting. I I I, I kind of waffle back and forth. I you know it's for me. I think of like one. I take my mar- if I take my marketing hat off and just like think of like being a user. I see there's there's pros and cons, but like I haven't yeah I haven't like made the jump to like okay I'm engaging highly here. I'm checking things out, but then it's like then I lose other time and doing other things. And I'm like, well, how many platforms can I actually be on engaging? The other ones have been great. So it's, you know, the redundancy feels a little bit off to me, just like it feels like uh-huh. it's somewhat redundant. There's a limited user base right for now. And I know it's kind of designed more for closer friends, but it just, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm still, I love how you said test and measure. Cause I think I'm, I'm still in that same phase. I, you know, I don't want to have, you know, FOMO. And I think that it's, you know, it could be a great app that gets, a lot more momentum, but yeah, I'm still observing. I'm not, not quite all there yet. You know, I, I totally agree. I think it's so exciting though, that there are new platforms that pop up like this. I mean, it just, you know, from one day to the next, I remember specifically, I was actually on vacation and I got a slack from my team being like, Hey, this is our thread strategy. And I was like, what's threats, right? Like, it's so cool how <laughs> yeah, just yeah. overnight something new can pop up and I also really love that our team and our sort of ethos as a company is we're just going to get out there and try stuff. We're not going to wait for it to be proven. Mm. I think that's a nice way also to be approachable to your customer because I don't think customers want to have this picture perfect polished interaction with a brand every time. I think they want a little bit more of that raw, real, you know, like you're testing and learning and so are we and we're in it together. I love it. Okay. So Dina, it's clear that you have a background in marketing. You have a background in marketing leadership. You've been at StockX for four, four, almost five years now, right? Four years at least. Four, yeah. So you have a perspective when it comes to being a marketing leader, and especially in, in at the C-suite. So my first question is: What do you think it takes to be a successful? And I say that in air quotes. However, you would define success. But what do you think it takes to be a successful CMO in twenty twenty three? Ah, so it's so interesting. I think this job has changed a lot. When I think about my first senior marketing job almost 15 years ago to today, I think the job has changed tremendously. And honestly, I think um, mostly for the better, it's obviously gotten more complicated, right? Because the amount of data that you have access to that you need to be able to leverage intelligently to drive your business has just multiplied. And I think, um, you know, obviously that means that you need the analytical quantitative skill sets, but you also need to be able to filter, right? Because I think it would be really easy to get paralyzed by the amount of data and information, the amount of choices that are out there. So I think um, having a really strong analytical and quantitative background and, and frankly support from a team, because it's impossible for one person to have everything under their thumb you know, that piece of it is critically important. I think the other thing that the pendulum has swung back and forth, but I'm really happy to see it swing back towards brand and the importance of storytelling, the importance of connecting emotionally and having some higher order conversation with your customer beyond just by now, by now, by now. 
So I think that's another really important skill set. And the synthesis of the two, which is something I really love to talk about, it's like where they come together, that's where I think the magic of marketing happens. And so as a senior leader for the marketing organization in the company, you need to be able to build both. You need to be able to integrate both. And then you need to be able to storytell with your own stakeholders, right? With your CEO, your board, about why each of those investment decisions is valuable and drives long-term ROI for the business. So what that means is that you also need really strong um, financial literacy and vocabulary to be able to talk to your CFO, talk to your CEO, talk to your board about why we should lean in on a certain investment. And so I think it requires just a lot of um, cross-functional thinking between, you know, the, again, financial elements, the technical elements, you need to be able to be uh, very facile with your product leaders and your tech leaders. Um, so it's really just one of the more cross-disciplinary roles, I think, on the leadership team. And, and that makes it super exciting and intellectually challenging. I think it means that you're always on your toes because you're going to miss, miss out if you're sitting back. And then, I, you know, there's so much collaboration that happens. So on the soft side, I think you need to be really good at influence. You need to be really good at communicating. You know, things always go wrong. So like <laughs> you need to be able to figure out how to message that, um, get in front of it, contingency plan. Um, so I, I think it's it's really exciting. Like I, I think I said this at the beginning of our chat, like never a dull moment. And I do mean that in the best way. Like every day is different every day especially at a hyper growth company like StockX requires uh, or brings every day brings a new challenge. Um, and I find that really invigorating. Where does just trust and letting go kind of filter into this, to the, to the role for you? Because there's you setting the strategy and then trusting and letting go of that strategy. How do you balance that with, Hey, you're also, like you said, there's fast growth. This brand is heading places that many brands will dream of going. And so how do you, yeah, balance that, okay, now I have to get involved and get in, get back into this thing versus look, I'm trusting and I'm letting go. Yes. Another great question. So <laughs> I think obviously as a C-level executive, you cannot be in every project, have command of every detail. And so it's really letting go and, and building trusted relationships with your deputies is critical because otherwise things just won't work. I also think like nobody really wants to be micromanaged. And so to, if you want to have, you know, other senior leaders that you report to you and have them feel a lot of ownership and a lot of excitement and commitment, like they need leeway, they need to have room to run. So um, I really do try to provide that and to step back. I think there are times in the business, whether it's macroeconomics, um, whether it's you're having just, you know, specific to your own business, but ups and downs, there are times when you do have to put your hands on the wheel and be more involved. Uh, frankly, for me over the last year, I've been more leaned in. Like if I look at the past four years, the last year and probably the first year have been um, the two where I was had my hands most on the wheel and have been closest to the details um, because of, you know, there's just been so much change around us in this last year, externally and internally. And so I think what's important is being able to um, flex between those moments when leaning back is most appropriate because your leaders have it covered because um, everyone feels a ton of confidence. There isn't a lot of change around you and you can just let them do their thing. 
and then being perceptive about, hey, something is changing in the macro environment or in our own business environment, and I have to adapt and be a little bit more leaned in um, and and being transparent about that with your team, which is like, I'm doing this not because I don't trust you, but because I'm getting more questions than usual or because we're trying to operate through extenuating circumstances. Okay, got it. What's your kind of North Star right now, Dina? Like, why are you, why are you, why are you doing what you're doing right now? What are you building towards? I have this sort of formula in my head personally for why I show up every day with, you know, 110%. Um, and it, it's basically, do I love the people that I work with? Am I learning? And am I able to bring my skills to bear to help the company and help the team? Um, and so I wouldn't say I check in every day on that formula, but I do periodically ask myself those questions. And as long as I have a resounding yes to all three of those, I know I'm in the right place. And so that's just a personal tactic I use to check in and, and make sure that I'm still where I need to be. Um, I would say for StockX, the, the bigger North Star is, you know, we want to continue on this rocket ship that you you mentioned earlier, you know, this hyper growth trajectory where we are bringing current culture um, and this ability to trade the things that you love to customers all over the world. It's my dream to make this brand a household name. Uh, you know, when I started the, at the company four years ago, I think we were still kind of below the radar for many. And over the past four years, we've just sort of crested over the radar and I want to keep that going and be almost like if you think about those brands where you don't say the descriptive thing, you say the name, you know, like Kleenex instead of tissue. Yep. I would love for us to get to that level. Have you experienced this kind of growth before or been a part of this kind of momentum? Um, nothing like this. StockX is definitely at a different scale, but I have been at hyper growth. I mean, I've sort of over the last 15 years been at a number of hyper growth startups and that becomes a muscle that you build, right? Just like mm. any other muscle you practice, you go through it enough and you're like, okay, I've seen this before. I, I sort of know what we need to do in this moment. But again, the stage that we're on at StockX is much bigger. I love it. That's so cool. Okay. Let's get into some fun lightning round questions. Are you ready for some of these? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. The first one, what is one snack you always have on your desk? <laughs> Well, anyone who knows me knows that I'm always eating. Um, and usually the snack that's right here is shelled um, peanuts. Okay. Any kind of shelled peanuts? Unsalted. Unsalted. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's a hobby or a skill that you picked up during the quarantine that most people don't know about? Bread making. Although that's not a very unique answer because I know a lot of people learned how to bake bread, but count me in. Okay. Okay. This is one I really care about from CMOs is what's one email habit you wish everyone would adopt? Spell check. Okay. I love that. <laughs> it's just a pet peeve of mine, spell check. Spell check. And grammar check. Okay. If you had to work with one piece of outdated technology for a day, what would it be? I feel like a fax machine is really fun. You know, just like all those weird noises that it generated. And it was like an event, like, oh, there's a fax. Everyone knew there was a fax coming and you'd run over there and see, you know, it's exciting. Do you listen to Spotify or music during the day when you're like in workflow or you listen to music? I don't, I don't. I, I am a very noise sensitive. So I like to have okay. silence. Okay. Do you listen to Spotify music? Yes. Outside of work? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's on your, what's on, what's on your Spotify playlist right now? Well, okay. Um, two different worlds. So one is I've been listening to a lot of Taylor Swift this summer because I took my 14 year old daughter to the concert and it was 
a, an amazing, amazing experience. So I'm now a har- hardcore Swifty. Okay. And then I've been listening to Utopia, the latest Travis Scott album um, on sort of repeat because I, I just find you have to listen to things on repeat to really understand if you love it or not. So that's I love it. what I've been listening to on the other side. Well, you just mentioned Taylor Swift, which is a, a Hillary who's producing the show is like the biggest Taylor Swift fan. So I know right now you have her jumping up and down in her home studio um, because she's a huge Taylor Swift fan. So that's great. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Travis Scott. So you won me over with that one. How do you unplug after a long day of being plugged in? I go move my body. So maybe a run, maybe a workout in the gym, in the basement, maybe a little yoga on the back porch, but I'm a very kinetic, like always have to be moving. And so my day is not complete if I haven't done that. Okay. Now take us into the future in the industry that you're in, the marketplace, the reseller world, like take us five, 10 years into the future. What's happening in the space that you're in? Mm, We've actually been thinking about this a lot. I think there is an experience happening that is so real. You're not sure what's real and what's technology. Ooh. So maybe it's more like 10 years, not five years. I think we need a couple more, you know, a little bit longer horizon for that to happen. But I think there's AI, virtual reality, um, real-time data flowing. Uh, You're interacting with all of these sort of living, breathing elements in your um, e-commerce experience to the degree that it's, again, it feels like it's actually happening in your living room. I love it. Okay. What's next for Dina Bari? And then what's next for StockX? Well, what's next? I'm really, like I said, um, really excited about continuing to build this brand and this business into a household name. You know, it feels like there's just so much great work for us to do here, growing internationally, expanding our category footprint, you know, helping people trade the things they love, you know, whether that the sellers making a living off that, whether that's buyers like falling in love with items and expressing themselves. So a lot of um, great growth um, expansion work for us here at StockX. Um, personally, you know, I'm really loving sort of this time of life that I'm in. I've got three kids, eight, 12, and 14. So really trying to live in the moment, which is a huge cliche. But I think I've just realized, I had this realization this summer that my eldest is going to be in college in three years. And so, you know, what is that saying? The the days are long, but the years are short and um, I don't want to miss them. I don't want to miss anything. Um, and so just really trying to be present and live in the moment and enjoy the juggle, right? Like we talked about this at the beginning, mm-hmm. balance is not the thing. It's just sort of maybe, um, you know, enjoying that seesaw and um, yeah, ex- accepting that things won't be perfect, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I love it. Dina, just inc- incredible. I mean, just a shout out to you, the entire, you know, StockX squad. Like what what a moment. You talk about a moment. Like it's a moment, what a moment in time to be a part of a brand that everyone will know about if they don't already. And you're here you are at this intersection of being an awesome mom and leading marketing, supporting marketing, and it's really epic brand. So like what what a moment to be in that and experience all of it. So congratulations to you, to everyone there. I know we're paying attention. Like we're all like bookmark StockX, stay, stay connected. So uh, just thoroughly enjoyed this and thank you for being a part of Marketing Trends. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. 
The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.